Six in ten Americans believe the economy's condition is bad. Pessimism that has been in place over the last year. Among all America's challenges, our poll says the top priority, lowering inflation. Three in four people said they worry about it the most. I think you never fully stop holding your breath when you see prices going up. Over the next year, our poll shows roughly six in ten Americans expect the economy to be in recession or slowing. Many everyday Americans are sweating this economy. Instability generates insecurity. I feel like it's kind of falling apart. Kind of we need to rebuild it up. I don't know what the exact answer is. I take any blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. He's got a lot of things to tell. Why do you think that it has not penetrated the American public? Well, look, these things don't sell themselves, and it's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to that, that State of the Union address. Uh, I will say that there have been so many accomplishments under this administration, it can be difficult to list them in a distilled way. What do you think the odds are of a recession right now, and do you think that they're improving given that jobs data? More hopeful of a soft landing. The well answer to that question is is um, to go back to a point I made earlier about um, uh, the importance uh, that this president of this president having a consistent and clear economic vision. Um, we you go back, you know, seven eight months ago when we laid out our strategy um, for how to uh, effectuate a transition to more steady stable growth, which meant trying to bring inflation down, maintain a resilient and strong labor market. A lot of people at the time, a lot of projections at the time said that. Um, that wasn't possible, that wasn't feasible, um, that the economy would likely be in recession now, um, you know, in the first quarter of this year. And I think that over the course of this period uh, of time, we've seen, uh, we've seen inflation come down, we've seen the labor market remain resilient, we've seen real wages uh, uh, go, and, and we find ourselves today in an economy where uh, we have real resilience, real resilience here. And so, um, as we look forward, the, the, the takeaway that we take is um, less to look at the, the um, you know, uh, the infinite predictions that are out there, that we study um, uh, those analyses along, along with others. All right, here's one member explaining his intention to vote no on raising the debt ceiling. Because this massive accumulation of debt was predicted, because it was foreseeable, because it was unnecessary, because it was the result of willful and reckless disregard for the warnings that were given and for the fundamentals of economic management. So I don't know who that lawmaker is. Well, let me tell you, it was President Joe Biden. Oh, okay. Back in 2006 news a suspected chinese spy balloon shot down over the atlantic ocean now the recovery effort begins and the investigation into what information the balloon may have been collecting cbs 2's jennifer bisram spoke with a woman who witnessed that balloon being shot down she joins us now with the latest jennifer hi president joe biden says he ordered u.s officials to shoot down the suspected chinese spy balloon wednesday and national security leaders decided the best time for the operation was when it was over water instead of on land where falling debris could have caused risk to people on the ground. How is it possible that this administration discovered um, at least three previous balloons that flew over the U.S. under the previous administration, but Trump officials didn't know it was happening? Yeah, so look, I think that, uh, and we've talked about this before, about how um, uh, the, when it um, when the PRC government surveillance balloons trans, uh, trans, trans, transited uh, the continental U.S. briefly at least three times, as you just mentioned during the president's uh, prior administration, and once that we know of the beginning of this administration's, uh, but never for this duration of time, as we know, uh, this information was discovered prior to the admin administration uh, left, uh, but uh, the intelligence community, as I said, is prepared to give uh, give uh, briefings to key officials. Uh, but this is something. Uh, this is something. Sorry, post. But this is something that we we they did not they were not aware of as as we've just laid out. With unity, with unity, Asia. Our meeting today includes not only the work that we intend to do going forward, but working together to talk about how we can measure the success we have had thus far and continue to improve on the work we've done. 
For many who are at the original table, you will know that it has been built into our approach that we will devise metrics to help us articulate the metrics by which we will then measure our success in real time, not waiting for years down the line, but in real time measure our success so that we can regroup, analyze where we are, and as necessary improve our approach. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 119 here on Tuesday, February 6th, the day of the State of the Union. And I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna, and I'm not going to the State of the Union. No, neither am I. So, um, how's it going, man? Going good. How about you? How's your week been? Uneventful so far. I expect that's going to change here in the next... Then six next hours. hour, yeah, next six hours, things are going to go bad. Because of our incredibly insightful podcast yeah, that we're about I'm to deliver. Sure All right, so um, clips today. I uh, we're going to talk about polling, Yay. so we're going to skip that one. Most of the most of the country doesn't seem to quite connect with what the president and and Secretary Pete have said are his accomplishments. His numerous his accomplishments are accomplishments. so numerous. Shut up, man! Our accomplishments. They're just. You can't even can't distill. You can't distill them. Can't distill them. There's so many of them. Yeah. Right. And of course, he did not take. But what I don't responsibility for increased inflation. Why didn't why didn't one of the reporters just say, "I tell you what, let's make it easy. Just give us the top three or four. Give us three. You know, give us three. But there are so many of them. Most. Um, I just want to make a quick note here that when President Biden took office, yes. Inflation was at about 1.4%. percent that is correct. So I'm not sure where he got his numbers from that he cannot. Got it from your friend Brian Deese, any... right? Oh, yes, of course. And I had to include Mr. Deese in there because he was on the podium rattling off so many ums and uhs in between whatever mishmash of a response he gave. How did this guy get hired? How did Larry Fink even hire him? I th- at least at Larry thing. Fink, like, assumed uh, okay. well, that thousands. he was, like, smart, you know, wanted to hire there's smart thousands people. thousands of people at BlackRock. For all you so, know, for all you know, Deese is really good at math. Here's the thing you got to know about the White House, um, and it's something you suspect already, so let me just confirm it for you. They're, it, They are not, in fact, the best and brightest. They're just the guys who sort of wound up there. Right, right. Right, who kind of wandered in. Exactly, wandered, wandered in at up, the right moment. Wandered in and wandered it's up. It's a Washington story. So Trust me, who'd know better than me? Well, apparently Jared Bernstein, President Biden's economic advisor, was unaware that his boss did once say that when he voted against, against the, the debt, debt ceiling, ceiling, this massive accumulation of debt was predicted, and it was the result of willful and reckless disregard. Caught him off guard a little bit, didn't it? I, you know, the problem with hanging around this town too long is <laughs> eventually you get a record. People especially are like, with, really with a guy that? who's been around for fifty years, fifty years, who's thinking about hanging around for another five or six. Um, Gosh, mighty. <laughs> so the, here's where we are on the debt ceiling. Uh, Speaker McCarthy yesterday said that he will be very disappointed if President Biden does a hell no, I won't negotiate on the debt ceiling. And as it stands right now, that is exactly where the Biden administration is. So we will see how that all plays out. Um, Interestingly enough, the public would like a negotiation on it. And again, we'll get into the polling later. Uh, Balloons. Uh, This thing was, this thing started last week when we were recording, so we didn't get to discuss it very much, but a lot has happened with this little balloon that flew over the continental United States and mm-hmm. was blown up uh, shortly after it traversed the entire continental United States. Yeah, there's, there's God knows how much information was transferred over well, to I the mean, People's Republic of China. But we learned a whole lot about the balloon while we were following it all the way across the United States. What, what interested me, I, there's... Okay, first off, it, the trajectory is really important. Um, it flew over Malmstrom Air Force Base, which is the home to, a, I'm not sure what the unclassified number is, a bunch, no fewer than 12 dozen intercontinental missiles, right, which are nuclear tipped. And it also flew over 
Whiteman Air Force Base in Missouri, which is home to, of course, the largest group of American missiles. That's like 300. This is just a total it, coincidence. It, well, okay, so so th- that's that, right? But you know the three things that interest me about this, the three parts of the story that like I get to make me uncomfortable? Military knew this thing was over airspace on the 28th of January, right? It trespassed into Alaskan airspace, which, by the way, for those of you who are, are unclear about what assets we have up in Alaska, Elmendorf Air Force Base is our largest air Outside force base. Outside of Anchorage. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the continental United States. Um, so um, I guarantee it flew over Elmendorf. So anyway, January 28th, the military finds out about it. They get around to briefing the president on January 31st. Um, I'm like, but wait, what? And then the the second part of the story, a linear is part of the, let's tell that linear story, right? So Biden says, and this is some, this is this this is going to come up in congressional hearings about this. Biden says, I ordered him to shoot it down. The when of that is going to be a very interesting question, yes, right? Because the military apparently just looked at him and said, we'll get to it. Yeah, three four days. Whenever we whenever we get around to it, but they told me that they were going to wait until it was safe. To which point, several members of the delegation in Montana said, "Yeah, there are quite a few rural areas. We'll move our damn cows in the just, state of just, Montana. I'm pretty damn sure." So the debris field would crack me up with this. Hey, the debris field. Um, you know, fifteen football fields by fifteen football fields. I'm like, uh, okay, that sounds like a really big. Debris field. If you live in Maryland, it, it, right. If you, if live, you in live in DC, it in is Northern Virginia. But you know what? If you live over in West Virginia or Montana or Missouri, even we call that a farm. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident yeah. I would have been like, "Look, let's just pay everybody off." Anyway, so so that, and then the third part that was interesting to me is this whole. It happened three times during the Trump administration, right? Which is why I played the clip from our our beloved press secretary, I'm who like, also. Rivaled Brian Deese in ums and uhs and, and, is, and non-explanations. Is that, the thing is, is that the the the, 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 um, the national security advisors and and Pompeo have all come out and said none of them. Yeah, we didn't zero one hundred percent. This is what and, I was going to get to. And everyone's like, "Well, it would have been in the presidential daily briefing, which the president doesn't read." Okay, the president may or may not read it, but literally everybody else in the White House we- reads it. So I'm like, what in the hell? Yeah. So this is from CNN. This is this caught my eye, and it's already been out there. But this is literally. Well, they did it. It happened under the it, everything is well. The other guys sure, was worse. There sure. were three of them under the other guy, and he, you know. But we only found out about it I'm... after the fact. Right. This is from CNN even like they even can't gloss over this. The transiting of three suspected Chinese spy balloons over the continental U.S. during the Trump administration was only discovered after President Joe Biden took office. A senior administration official told CNN on Sunday. The official did not say how or when those incidents were discovered. The official said that the intelligence community is preparing to offer briefings to key Trump administration officials about it. So they are so good that they were able to discover that three balloons flew in airspace after the yeah. fact. Yeah, so let, let's just cut that thing open for one second. The, that There was no way that that thing, let me read that sentence to you. The transiting of three suspected Chinese spy balloons over the continent of the United States during the Trump administration was only discovered after Joe Biden took office. That's a lie. It was known, obviously, before Mr. Biden took office by somebody. And it was known by somebody who wears the uniform of the United States. In um, that case, that's treason it, it, or, or something else. It's, they didn't tell the current president, forget, forget names for a second. They didn't tell the current president for three days. And then when he gave him a specific command, at least if he's telling the truth, when he gave them a specific command, they disobeyed it. Right. They 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 chose unless he gave a command to say, you know what, you guys shoot it down whenever you think it's safe. Right. And that's something we're going to have to find out, too. And then we know that obviously they knew this previously, but did not tell anybody in the Trump administration's chain of command. Guys, 
either civilians control the military or they don't. There's no third option here. You know, I, don't get me wrong. This story is so bad on so many levels. Yeah, right. But this is something that no one really is talking too much about. Anyway, go ahead. I was just gonna, I was just gonna add a little bit of color to the whole conversation. So the media, in addition to printing this story without even questioning the veracity yeah, of it come on. at all, and, to and, what provide and, potentially what uh, this isn't even cover for what the Biden administration didn't do. They watch this balloon. It's an accelerant. It's float an, across the United States, uh, and they're worried about how Chinese would re, the Chinese would react. I, 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 you know, they'd look and how it would impact negotiations with China. One, two. The media also has done the whole Republicans pounce thing again. Sure. And let me read this to you. This is from AP News. Republican lawmakers on Sunday accused China of deliberately surveilling sensitive U.S. military sites with a suspected spy balloon. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, Accused China of anything. China did that. China did it. Yeah. It, it, China did that. You know, the thing is, I'm all... It, it's, this is insane. This is, this is an indictment of, meat of the journalism in this country. I don't even care about the journalism about this. It bothers me a little bit. But what, really, what I'm really concerned about is the military. And I'm super concerned about the Biden administration. The fact that they dithered on something as obvious as this. And by the way, it's obvious to everybody, right? This is not something you can hide. Every American is like, are you effing kidding me? I mean, try to imagine if America tried to float a, a, a surveillance balloon across China. It would take the Chinese, what, four seconds to shoot it down? Here's the response from China. China, meanwhile, accused the U.S. of indiscriminate use of force when the military shot down the balloon. Good. They, the U.S. attack on a Chinese civilian unmanned airship by military force. See, and, and, and this it was is, merely just a weather balloon. See, and this is that where blew off course. This is where Team Biden sort of misses their opportunities. If I were the president, I would have a counterstatement saying, first. It was a reconnaissance balloon. It was a spy balloon. Second, you're damn right we did, and we'll do it again. Yeah. The it's next time, straightforward. Except this time, we're going to spread it out. Next it's, time, you it, get within 12 miles, right, within our zone of within our zone of influence. Next time, you get within 12 miles of our shoreline, we're just going to shoot it at 12 miles. We're not even going to wait for you guys. Yeah, the China. You know, we're done fooling around the, with you. The people. second balloon had been flying over Latin America. What message? This is a serious question. No, I understand where the, you're going. The message this is, is the message. The message it sends to the American people is, your president is weak. The message it sends to the Chinese is, president of America is weak. The message it sends to the president of Taiwan is, buy some weapons because you're going to need them. That's right. That's right. Exactly. I mean, if you're if you if you're not going to if you're going to hesitate before you shoot down a balloon, here's a newsflash, sports fans. If the Chinese invasion, I, if the communist Chinese invasion of Taiwan comes. Shooting's going to be over yeah, in about I, five days. We're I, not going to have a lot of time to think about it. I think the administration would have – I think they were slow to react because the balloon was white. <laughs> well, That's my take on the whole thing. Well, can, I, can I make one quick observation <laughs> about that? Sure. This is an – It wasn't really a comment that required no, 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 an observation. No, no, no. This is just... I'm, I'm going to write about this. This is an administration that has allowed a slow motion invasion on our southern border for two years. I – it, it upon reflection, I'm not sure why I'm amazed that they allowed an invasion yeah. by a balloon. Yeah. They obviously don't have any sense at all of the integrity, the reason why borders have to have integrity. So why should this be different than the southern border? Yeah, it's a mess. It's it's more than a mess. I'm looking forward to how he finesses this. So so tonight. three takeaways here. Yeah, One. Man. Projecting weakness. Oh my God! To the military does doesn't give a rat's butt about any order wow. from people, the commander in chief of the president be, of the United States. People need to be fired. And three, China, you made the right call, making the balloon white. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, any announcements before we get into the into the program? Into the here? meat of the program. I have three um, for my uh, niece's husband, Rob. Um, welcome as a listener. Um, I I don't 
Does that bring us up to 201? 206. Um, <laughs> I don't think you're – he said – Producer, was, what's the recent count? No, don't, don't read no, it no, over no, there. He, don't read it he, over there. We don't want to impress everybody. He's, he, he said that he was probably the youngest listener. I said, no, I think Tom's got some kids who are like in their teens who listen. Um, so I anyway, don't think my kids listen. No, I mean like uh, nieces or cousins or somebody who's younger. Because this guy's like – Oh, I do have an uh, – This guy's an, like an 30 event. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got an yeah, Nevada yeah, nephew that listens. Um, uh, Brian Klippenstein, I want to thank you again for all your kind words. Um, and uh, Ms. Caravelli, um, get better. Um, and also, we welcome gifts. If any, you know, anyone wants to send us gifts, we'll, we'll yeah, we're happy to. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're happy to announce those gifts on the air. Oh, okay. I was wondering where the hell we're going with that. So. We, in fact, if you want to become a sponsor of the program, send us a gift. <laughs> yes, we'll, exactly. We'll, and if you'd rather remain anonymous, all right, I'm going to make my one announcement, and that is, yeah. and this has been lingering for a couple of weeks now. I am not going to make another football prediction again on the unregulated podcast we got a Super because Bowl. I yeah, am are. just really yes, bad at it. Yes, we are. And it was pointed out to me by my cousin, by the way. She said, man, you're really good at politics, but you're not very good at predicting the outcome what? of a football game. And she mentioned you weren't either, just so you I were got a aware. 50, 50. <laughs> I got a 50-50 in the in – the, Most um, of the problem is, is I go with like what what I the outcome I want, you want to have. Sure. Right? I went 50-50 to... in the championship game. So. Is that not good? I'm not. I, I think Philly's going to win. I don't think I'm even going to watch. Yeah, I think so. Philly's going to win too, and I have no enthusiasm about that at all. Because, like all Americans, I love Philadelphia, but I cannot stand Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I don't think all Americans love Philadelphia. I like their sandwiches. But uh... and for 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 my friends out in Kansas City land, and I have two of them that I'm aware of. Um, I'll, I'll tell you exactly. Why I think the Eagles are going to win because I don't want to get in trouble here. Yeah, my um, beat up. I, I was going to say the only way the Chiefs could win this thing is if it turns into a shootout and Mahomes just outshoots Jalen Hurts. And I think a healthy Mahomes could do that. Yeah, I don't think a guy limping around on one leg can do it. It's just it's it, it's like the 49ers. The Eagles have got the right answer here, right? You play against essentially a rookie playoff quarterback in the Giants. You play against no quarterback with the 49ers. And you play against a crippled Mahomes in a Super Bowl. It's their year. And that's how it is. They right? also have good offensive line Some, and defensive right? you, line. You, have, like you run to football, good things happen. All right. Um, <clears throat> and your cousin, this day in history. Let's have it. 1812. It has nothing to do with conflict. Nothing to do with the war of 1812. I'm sorry. What day is it? It's the 6th. 1812, February 6th. 6th. 7th. The uh, apparition. I will of, say this, too, though, in, in, yes. as an homage to the climate reporters out there yes it's because of climate change that this event happened 1812 oh this is the great big earthquake in missouri right? yes sir in the new, the new Dang, earthquake. you are good well you this. gave me a great big hint there all right? right so on this day in history the most violent of a series of earthquakes in missouri caused a so-called fluvial tsunami yeah in the mississippi river actually making the river run backwards for several hours the tremors took place all between December of 1811 and March of 1812. So it was just a wave, like a constant wave of these yeah. earthquakes. Um, Centered around New Madrid, right? And let's see. Yeah, New Madrid, present-day Missouri, had about 1,000 residents at the time, farmers, hunters, fur trappers, just to give you an idea of how uh, things have uh, changed. 1812, right? Um, and it... Caused a fissure, some fissures in the earth, like so several hundred feet long. Holy man! On the earth's surface, snap trees snapped in two. Sulfur leaking out from underground pockets and riverbanks vanished. And then on January twenty third, an eight point four quake struck in the same location, causing disastrous effects, et cetera, et cetera. So the strongest of the tremors. Um, Estimated at 8.8 .8 magnitude, ranks oh, among the strongest wow. quakes in human history. Oh, uh, uh, about a thousand plus people died, and like that's another example, right? Like there was nobody there. So, Golly. anyhow, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, man. Eight in 1964. 1964. This date on 1964, uh, Alan Shepard went up. No, 1964. No, went it up has 62. nothing to do with space. Tell me what it's pop culture. 
Oh, the Beatles showed up somewhere. Boom! You are two for two, man. Uh, come on, 18, Congratulations. What else happened in pop culture? The Beatles arrived in New York City on a Pan Am Yankee Clipper. There was a blast from the past. Seriously. Pan Am from London and Beatlemania officially arrived. Um, two days later, the 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 quartet. Quartet. Sorry, uh, made their appearance on the Ed, Ed Sullivan, Sullivan Show. Show. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, a really big show. The Beatles. Nobody else, nobody's listening to us remembers that. 1992 so. on this day, uh, and I probably it probably shouldn't happen in hindsight, but uh, this happened across the pond on this day in 1992. I'll see if you can get be three for three. It's, it's a it's a bureaucracy thing. I'll give you another big hint. Oh, uh, no clue. <sighs> the EU treaty was signed. On this day, oh, was it that long ago? In 1992, okay. After suffering centuries of bloody conflict, the nations of Western Europe finally united in the spirit of economic cooperation, and then continued to suffer decades of bloody. And of course, conflict. in June 2016, the UK voted to leave said European Union. Yeah, where's that stand now? Well, I mean, it's in name only. Who cares? Right, which. So. Brexit. They left a name on Brexit. No, I mean it's official, but nothing much changed. Really, that's what I'm asking. Okay. So, all right, those are my three topics. It's good ones. I'm an American. I really don't care what happens overseas. You know that. So I have a navy for. All right. So today is the big day of that. Oh, this tired. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, just agonizingly painful annuals uh, ritual tradition. Known affectionately as the State of the State Union of the address. State of the Onion. So um, here we are. Uh, yeah, I don't care. State of the Union Eve day. There's a big wall. They like walls around the co- the Capitol. Yeah, the only bad big thing about that is I, I, I got a meeting in Cannon later on today. I got to cross. I got to figure it's going to be a pain in the neck to get in. It is going to be. So just a little bit of history on the State of the Union yeah. before we get into sure. Our own personal bombs. Um, Joe Biden, uh, including Joe Biden, there have been a total of 98 in-person messages. Yes. So its origin is from the Constitution, which states that the president shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. All right. So the way this thing started out, it was literally an exhausting and boring rundown of the stats, the numbers, stuff going on uh, in the economy, updates on programs and things that Congress passed, and it was delivered like as a letter, basically, or a report to the Congress. But then, well, the first the first two presidents delivered it in person. Jefferson. I, let me rephrase. You're right. Jefferson right. was smart enough to say, you know what? I'm just sending you guys a note. I don't want to come talk to you losers. Yes, you're right. Washington. And the first one, the first one, I actually wrote a column on this a week ago. The first one, Washington, was 1,100 words. Yeah. About quote. 15 minutes as normal people talk. Yes, indeed. Uh, short. The shortest was given by President George Washington. Another reason he was such oh, a great person. Seriously, man. Why can't you just follow? Just, just do what Washington did, and you'll yeah. be okay. And the uh, the yet another reason that Woodrow Wilson was a horrible person. Oh, he should be shot. Uh, he well, he's already dead. He revived the practice of presenting of the message in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then used it as a platform to rally support for right. his political agenda. He, so he started this mess. And in all fairness, in all fairness, Ronald Reagan made it. A hundred times worse. Yeah. Go ahead. He did by what? Uh, introducing human beings yes, as props. Of course. So. Leave it to it. Leave it to an actor <laughs> to treat people up in the audience as props. I mean, all right. So this is this is a piece from the Washington Post. I found this by a guy named David von Drell. Drell. D R E H L E. How would you say Dreher. that? Dre- Dave Dreyer. Dave Dreyer. 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 Anyhow, his opinion. Please, Biden, do us all a favor and skip the State of the Union yes. speech. No, okay. <laughs> this is the Good quintessential takedown of SOTU. Let him. me read a couple of lines yeah. for you. The SOTU is an abject lesson in the frailty of humans. 
Even the most brilliant, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, and other founding fathers had the vision to create, as young men, the world's most durable constitutional republic. Yet even they could not foresee the awful spectacle (laughs) that opportunistic (laughs) politicians would make of what they intended to be an item of routine business. And then here he mentions Reagan, as you mentioned. The former director decided that in 1982 that a leading man needs a supporting cast. Oh, boy. And began the, the quickly exhausted tradition of salting the room with ordinary people who exemplify the big man's wisdom. Somewhere in there, members of Congress have been abasing themselves by leaping to their feet to applaud every few sentences, or if they are an opposition party, staring stonely as the cheers resounded across the aisle. So in conclusion, when was the last time you heard someone say, gosh, that sure was a good State of the Union address. So terrible. <laughs> Television viewers have tuned out by the tens of millions. Oh, it's unwatchable. Hackneyed, misleading, self-serving, and dull. The annual address should be put out of its misery. True. And true ours. <laughs> so there we go. Tonight's State of the Union. Where are you going to be? You going to watch it? No, God, no. Are you excited about it? No, amazing. No, I went to. I was actually in the room for the boss's last in-person State of the Union, and that was cool because you were in the room. But I have to be honest with you. Is that the one where Nancy tore? Yes, tore the papers. It's the one one where he made Rush Limbaugh like whatever. He gave that award. Yeah, right on the spot. Yeah, Yeah. that was kind of. So it was kind of fun, but I have to be honest with you. After about thirty minutes, I'm like. I'm done. I'm so, really, you know, I just want to go know, home. So for those who are not creatures of Washington out there, the other painfully annoying thing about the State of the Union is the run-up to the State of the uh, Union. There's this, like, thing where you have to – someone has to get you an early copy of the speech. Yeah. And then the reporters are, like, digging for, like, what is he going to say, right? And then, of course, the the White House sends out the – pre-talking points and the Republican or the opposition party sends out the pre-rebuttal talking points. And then, then they all talk about it after two for like a day and a half. Right. So that's, this is the pain that we have to go through on the ground here in Washington. This is how, when we deal with all this stuff, this is how, this is how, you know, it's starting to fade in importance because when I was as recently as five years ago, lobbyists would talk about getting their stuff in the state of the union. And, yes, and now nobody talks about that anymore. They're yes, like, forget. I'm that's not, true. Know. That is that is a, <laughs> and, you know, a feather on the cap of a K Street. Well, the, uh, the funny uh, thing is, everybody's yeah. like, "We can do it. We can do it." I'm like, guys, you literally have no input into this thing. This you is know, all I think about that started under Clinton. Oh, I'm sure it did because it, he he went on for like 90 minutes. Yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's something for everybody yeah. in there. You know, got to take care of all yeah. my people. Yeah, so. it. it all right. Anyway, that's enough. One, one that's reason. Enough. One reason to vote for Ron DeSantis. You got a 50 50 that he'll just send a note. <laughs> he will send a note. I'm not talking to I don't have time for those clowns. I'm not talking to those losers. That's true. You know what? He should make that campaign promise. He should just say something right now. Hey, if I'm the president. Phil, those guys over there yeah, that he's, yeah. he's rounding up for yeah. his team, you, that, you need to add that to your campaign promises. I will not deliver a State of the Union address to the Congress. I will send a letter. That is a winner. All right. Um, I want a little segment here called Grading the House Republicans. So I'll go through uh, the list of stuff that they've done, um, and then I want to get your take on you know, how they're doing. So first they ended the co- coronavirus emergency rules for the House. Worth it totally just no to... proxy voting. Yes. No more. At, it's with the exception of the fence today. I don't know how they slipped through. It must have been a, something that they did all, last year, right? Because I'm assuming the Secret Service insisted. Uh, no access restrictions, so the House is open again. Thank goodness. They passed a bill to um, uh, require a plan to increase domestic production on federal lands in exchange for any non-emergency oil release from the F- SPR, which is federal plans a message are, vote. Federal but, plans are worthless, ladies and gentlemen, right, but right. it's a nice vote. Passed a series of coronavirus measures, ending the vaccine mandates, establishing a plan for ending expanded telework for federal agencies, which I don't know, that might be a nobody wants a nobody wants a bad thing because we don't want the traffic. Ending the coronavirus national emergency declaration and terminating the public health emergency declaration. So 
they had a, a uh, they had a week where they voted to create their special committees. They had a week where they vote on energy stuff, mostly symbolic at this point, and then they had a uh, and the and the emergency measures week for Corona. Uh, and then also they established, I think you might've heard this, but they established an ESG working group. Yes. In the um, financial for, services uh, for Bill Hazinga under Bill right? Hazinga. Yeah, yeah. And the the folks on that, which is funny because they are pretty good, which is funny because Hazinga is so. going to, um, I'm pretty sure Hazinga is going to go run for Senate in Michigan. So, um, how do I grade the yeah, house guys so far? doing? A plus. Yeah. I, a plus. I, 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 you know, I know I people, the, people, our listeners say we agree too much, but I have to agree. I'll give you a specific why. And this is something you don't think about, even though, of course, I wrote a column on it last week. Um, <laughs> in the Washington Times. In the Washington Times. Uh, our co-host and partner. Yeah. Thank you again, Washington Times. Because a guy over there, a reporter over there, mentioned it to me. And I was like, yeah, that's right. The, the, the thing is, what we don't – what we're aware of but we don't fully embed is that the, the team Biden are now playing defense all the time. They are responding to the initiative of the house, right? And politics is you're either driving the you're either driving you're, the, if you're explaining, you're losing, or that's right. right? You're either you're driving like kinda... you're either driving your initiatives or you're responding to right. the other guys. And and if, if you, they vote, guess what? Guess what, folks? If they send it to my desk, I'll veto it. Right, but you know the the Biden team has stopped talking about offense now, right? They play, play defense. I'll give you two specific examples. When the house guys um, uh, did the COVID emergency cessation, right? Team Biden went bazonkers and put out this incredibly um, hysterical statement of administration policy. We're going to veto all this and you need to keep it in place till May 11th because that's our phase out date and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, dude, you guys need to like. You could take a win here and like say, we're going to do it anyway. If we want to do it beforehand, then great. Right. right? right. Like but that, just, that would have been an they went easy over the one. Top, and they went over the top on one other thing. There was one other sap in there somewhere on that list. Where they went, they just became hysterical fools. And I'm like, ah, so we know the team Biden still hasn't figured out how to play defense yet. Like you say, because the correct answer is, great, we're glad you agree with us. Um, we're real sorry you want to do it two months earlier than us. I mean, exactly. It, you know, just, I mean, like, but instead they're just like, this is terrible and will be apocalyptic in the end of the known world. I'm like, you guys need to right. maybe take some saltpeter in the morning because you're a little too anxious. <laughs> I don't think anyone knows what that is who's under the age of 30, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm sending, I, I'm I agree. Sending, I think they're doing fine, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some of these committees start to, to get some work done, sure. uh, especially on the select committees, uh, because it will be interesting to see how the Democrats can respond, especially amongst all this China stuff. So select committees are always a mistake, always and everywhere. just going to tell you that right now. Well- in terms of what, like just getting nothing done, yes. just being a show show yes. deal. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So yes. then maybe they don't get an A plus because that's how they set. No, they get an A plus. Up. Everybody's entitled to make a mistake or All two. Right. You know what? It, it, you still you're still A plus. Okay, so uh, we talked about the balloon. I saw this tweet from. <laughs> we really uh, laughed about the balloon Congressman balloon Massey. Talking. Yeah, Tom, Tom Massey. Massey. Yeah, <laughs> it just cracked me up. If Biden shoots down the balloon, it will be the first thing he's ever done to combat inflation. <laughs> that was Tom, pretty good. It is pretty good. That was and pretty good. Especially for a guy from MIT who's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, in the beginning of the clips, we, we had a, a clip on this poll. I want We want to talk a little bit about polls because we haven't done it in a while. This is from CBS News and YouGov. It was conducted... February 1 through 4, um, 2030 U.S. adults. So it didn't, it didn't, I don't think they're likely voters or anything like it's that. Fine. But it's fine. It's a, a whopping 61% think that the uh, condition of the economy is bad. Yeah. Um, it is the wor worst number that they've recorded. Uh, the 61%? For, for this. Yeah. Um. Let's see what else from this. Should Congress raise the debt ceiling? 55% said no, <laughs> which is interesting. And um, But they all, 68% understood that raising, <clears throat> that, that uh, if you didn't, it would default on debt. 
So they understand what it conceptually what it is, but they still don't want us to do it. I'm not sure they understand. Like, I don't know. Sure. See, here's the thing. There's a bunch of people. You and I both know people who have been bankrupt. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Hey, we're just going to go clean that thing out. You know, we'll be okay. We'll start over again. <laughs> Maybe that's what they. I don't do. think they completely get like what a debt default by the United States would look like in practice. But I also uh, point out earlier that uh, 69% say that Biden and the uh, 63% say the Republicans should compromise. So they should do a deal. Well, I, I know you want to read the poll. Let me interrupt with one thing real quick. I think the Republicans have a winning message here, and that is that it is less responsible. It is more irresponsible to just go along like everything's okay. Right. And, and, I, and Biden's position is no, you know. No changes. No changes. Keep so, moving right, ahead. Right. I think most Americans are like, $90,000 per person? That That seems like a lot. Anyway, sorry, you're pulling. No, no, and then lastly, uh, who will be responsible uh, for U.S. economy in 2023? 48% Biden, 43 Democrats, 39 Federal Reserve, 32 Republicans in Congress. So that was one poll where uh, Biden's going to have a tough time telling the world that the state of the union is strong and that the economy is great. And my take on all of this is it's the job numbers are the lowest they've been since what? Like Nixon, we're we talking about unemployment. Unemployment, now? it doesn't mean a thing if you can't afford a dozen eggs, right? You have to have a job in order to try to like pay for stuff, and you can't Whoa. keep up with the cost of stuff. Yeah, nobody gives a crap about I, that. Two, two, two things about, and that. also all these tech jobs. People are laying off. They're, they're laying off all these tech jobs. So I'm not sure what. Yeah, too, too, too. They don't have a winning message here, like saying that the economy is great because unemployment is low. We don't know that. We're going to find that out. Two two things about that real quick that are – three things about that that are worth noting. What's your, what's your next survey? Go ahead. Um, three things about that, right? First off, um, the employment numbers. We have been focused forever since I, since I can remember on unemployment, right, which makes sense. Um, you know, but everybody – Everyone needs to understand, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine asked the other day, you know, unemployment's low. That's good, right? I'm like, yeah, it's good, but you got to understand what it measures. Unemployment measures the percentage of people who are looking for work who cannot find work. That is all that it measures. I think, and I've said this for 10 years, and eventually I'm going to get the Republicans to start saying it, the, the real measure you should care about is total number of working people, right? And here's the you – know, Team Biden's going to talk about unemployment, but the reality of it is, is we got about three and a half million fewer people working than we did in February of 2020, top of the pandemic. Our our employment numbers, we should have about 160 million people employed. We have about 154 million people employed. We're about six million fewer people employed than we should have, right? And they're standing on the sidelines for a bunch of different reasons, not the least of which is they don't have to work, right? Because they've had some government, um, some government cash, and they're living off that. You know, our friends over at Heritage did did a study recently, like in the last week. So there's one in three working age adults are not working, right? Um, so we're kind of looking at the wrong thing here. Whether the Biden team can help, you know, can keep our focus on the wrong thing or not, I don't know. But I know they're going to try their level best. Last thought on this, to your point, wages, right? A committee to unleash prosperity, right? Our friends across Steve the- Moore and gang, yeah. That's right, Steve Moore and gang. They've been banging this drum for a while. Wages are up like 5%. Inflation's up like 7%. You do the math. You know, Purchasing power has dropped pretty precipitously in the last 24 months. I'm with you. I don't know how the Biden team spins that as a good news thing. But you heard D say it in the clips, right? Hey, wage growth. I'm like, bip, bip, yeah. bip, bip. Let me just Not slay down there, Leroy. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, sorry. You were going somewhere. Uh, there's another survey. The post-ABC News poll conducted January 27th through February 1. More than 6 in 10 say the president has not accomplished much. Despite of what Sec- <laughs> Secretary Pete said. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really? Two years into his presidency, the White House cast as the most effective in modern history. Biden set to deliver a State of the Union to a skeptical country with a majority of Americans saying they do not believe he has achieved much since taking office. 
The survey finds that 62% of Americans think Biden has accomplished not very much or little or nothing during his presidency. Um, you know what? You Everybody asks me why I love the American people. This is why I love the American people, because they look through all this, this chaff and they see the wheat of the matter, which is that all this guy has done is spend, money. spend your money. He spent not his money. Our money. He spent your money. All, right. of his, all of his achievements, put that in quotes. Basically, he's routing money from one set of pockets in this country to another. That's and, an and, and most of the pockets that he's taking from are people, yeah. particularly middle class people, who need it. And the money he's giving it to, uh, to the are rich corporations, folks. yeah, to the rich folks. That's exactly that's the semiconductor guys. They'll tell you that's the re that's their re new redistribution of wealth. Yeah, that they used to want to go the opposite way. This is the way that they're going. Demo Democrats have become but, the But that's party okay because he wants a, a billionaire's tax. Fine. And he wants to up that whole stock buyback tax to 4%. That's his answer to going after the corporations. <laughs> then you guys are going to hear all this garbage in the State of the Union tonight about corporations and profits and everything else. Your president is taking your money and he's giving it to them. Let, let's, let's, That's the redistribution make, of wealth of the new, let's make the new it Democratic clear. Party. You know, Joe, you're, you're President Biden is a wealthy man, and I'm very glad for him. Um, his new chief of staff, Jeff Zients, is a wealthy man. Ron Klain is a wealthy man. All these people who surround him are wealthy men, and that's fine. I'm glad for all of them, but if you think they're looking out for the interest of the little guy, and that's what that survey is really all about. Yeah, that's right. 41% say they are not as well off financially. I'm amazed. Since Biden became president. Okay, first off, that's the highest number I, I can remember seeing. And second off, that's uh, like well, let me let yeah. me let me emphasize yeah. that. Up from thirty-five percent a year ago, and quote, the highest percentage to report such a sentiment under any president in post ABC poll poll since the measurement began in nineteen eighty-six. Okay, so it is the highest so number. It is I've, the highest. It is the highest number I've it ever seen. Um, and of course, in the article it said Republicans have seized on that. For God's sake. They decided to go with seized you know, and not pounced. You know, if, if let's put it this way: if if the propaganda from the Post and the New York Times um, was working, that number, that <laughs> yeah. front, that top number wouldn't be sixty percent. All right, right, so one more in the polling department, and it's also not good for Joe Biden. Love polls. This one is from the Associated Press. Thirty-seven percent of Democrats say they want him to seek a second term down from 52% in the weeks before last year's midterms. Yeah. And here's the doozy. Yeah. The decline among Democrats saying Biden should run for president appears concentrated among younger people. Among Democrats age 45 and over, 49% say he should run. was 58% last October before the election. Mm -hmm. But among those under age 45, 23 now say time, he, sh time he should run age. after 45. It was 45 for that age group before yeah. the midterms. So yeah. he's aging out whether he likes it or not, right? I mean, I think what the Democrats fear is an old guy versus a young guy. Like if Trump doesn't get the nomination, there's just no way... That yeah. people are gonna like it's if it's two old dudes, I, I've said it's this. even money, right? I, I, I've said advantage this. Biden, but if it ain't Trump, Biden's gonna get trounced. I, I think. I, I've said this a bunch of times. I'll say it again: President Biden's not gonna wind up running for re-election because he can't. He's too frail in all kinds of different dimensions, and I suspect what you're seeing in that survey is sixty-three percent of Democrats agree with me. It's not that they disagree with him ideologically. It's that they're right. like, it's just they're looking at dude, it from turn the, the, page. the op optics lens. Turn right? the, the page. Lens. You know the problem and is he said he was a he was the, transitional the figure, transitional president, transitional whatever, figure. Right. So it it um. But we'll, all, we'll we'll see how it goes. But, but all I, his hangers on are going to want him to run because what are you talking about? They're running the place. What do you mean? Right. What are you saying? Are you saying that they, they have un, they have they they're running the place? So why would they want to give up? Are you that saying that President Obama's leftovers, who are currently running the the Biden administration, are going to want to? I think that's what I'm saying. But going to want to hang on to power for as long as they can. All right. So that's the polling.
Yay. Not looking great on the eve of the State of the Union. I think it's great. Ask the Chinese. Or they think so too, as they somebody, say somebody, here in town. Somebody so should, too. Somebody should pull the Chinese. All right. Uh, I got some energy hits here, for some quick ones. Let's have it. All right. First of all, this is from the Daily Caller, our friends at the Daily Caller. Yo. Back to petroleum. BP is scaling back its green investments amid disappointing performance. I wish they'd make up their damn minds. CEO Bernard Looney of British oil giant BP has expressed plans to scale down the firm's green energy investments, as some have struggled to meet expectations. <laughs> Wall Street Journal reported Wednesday, what? citing anonymous sources familiar with the matter. Anonymous sources. Looney intends to de-emphasize ESG objectives. Okay. And reassure investors that the company is focused on using its competitive advantages, including in oil and gas, to maximize returns. So BP is BP is trying to figure back out. to petroleum as BP. opposed to beyond petroleum. BP is trying to figure out what it wants to be when it grows up. I think BP wants to have what uh, money that they can distribute to their shareholders in the form of dividends. And and so on and so forth. So the Greens, of course, blew up on this. Of course they did. They completely blew up. I'm sad. Um, so there's that. Here's another one that caught yes. my eye from Fox News. Any any comments on that? About BP? About BP. Eventually, I assume their head's going to be pointed in whatever direction they want it pointed in by the time it's done spinning around. But who knows what those guys. Yeah. Okay. So this one is from Fox News. Yeah. Podesta-linked energy executive position to benefit from Biden's latest climate agenda. Uh, a company founded by an energy executive with ties to the White House, clean energy czar John Podesta, is positioned to benefit from one of the Biden administration's latest endeavors to tackle climate change. Uh, this gentleman is Donnell Baird, the founder and chief executive officer of Block Power an energy company offering, quote, smart all-electric heating, cooling, and hot water systems to building owners. So here is, this is the first. So they're selling heat pumps and hot water heaters, yeah. This will be the first of many stories about John Podesta handing out cash to people he, this in this oh, instance, got... he was on the board of uh, John, the, same, uh, the same organization, and they overlapped, and of course, Center for American Progress, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. Of course, and there's so, donations involved, and, and, blah, and also blah, blah, blah. the 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 organization Green Energy for America, which is a quote network of clean economy business leaders and advocates, organized to elect clean energy champions. Yeah, was renamed from Green Energy for Biden. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that that's the that's the organization they were some, both on the board of. Some refreshing directness so, there. So the the crime syndicate is begun. Well, we yeah, are gonna at IR. We're gonna track all this. We're gonna have a Podesta, like a Podesta tracker. You know the terrible um, thing. And I is, hope that Congress gets involved. You in know the, the terrible this thing too, is because this is just the beginning. Of course, John is. Podesta is. The Podesta is the brother, uh, one of Tony. the two brothers of the Podesta crime syndicate here in Washington, D.C. Well, I don't want to be that aggressive, but yeah, I mean, look, you can't give out, the government can't give out $500 billion without something bad happening. It's just not, nobody can. Forget the government, private sector and plus, can't either. And plus, it's a small world there, right? Yeah, they're all the same 50 they're people. They're all the same yeah, 50 yeah, yeah. or 60 people. You know, the terrible thing is, or the fun thing is, depending on which side of this you're on, in two years, three years, when the next... If you have a Republican president in two years, when that 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 man or woman starts making noise about clawing some of this back, everyone's going to scream bloody murder. But the reality of it is, by then we'll have like ten stories like that, or ten hundred stories like that. Of course, this one you I sent flagged. to me, and you're trying to figure out why. No, I know why. Billionaire. This is from the Free Beacon. Washington Free Beacon. Yeah, billionaire-backed green group working to ban gas stoves. Counts Chinese official yep. as top advisor. Yep. Senior legislator Wang Yi has urged China to maintain active one step ahead position over U.S. on climate change. Climate Imperative, a green non nonprofit with nearly one billion budget, thanks to funding from billionaires. Lorraine Powell Jobs and yep. our good buddy John Doerr yep. out in Silicon Valley yep. lists 
Chinese Academy of Sciences Professor Wang Yi as a member of its advisory council. Hey, what else is he? The group does not disclose, however, that Wang also serves in China's legislature. Yep. The National People's Congress. Wang even sits on the Congress's standing committee, according to a Chinese environmental research group to which he belongs. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what kind of power you want, wind or solar or coal or natural gas or oil, but you can't be dealing with enemies in the United States. I don't care who you are. I, 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 you want to talk about something the select committee should look at? Select committee should look at that. Yes. Chinese ownership, Chinese involvement in American decisions like this. And you should also, I mean, John, guys like John Doerr and Al Gore and, and, um, and, uh, Miss uh, the widow Jobs, she probably they all should probably think about like what kind of people they want to be when they grow up. So I have one more, and this is from E and E News. Yeah, but Scientific American retweeted it. Okay, and they okay okay, but I follow. And the reason that I I wanted to point that out is Scientific American said the quiet part out loud. But here's the story from our friend Hannah yeah. Northy. Yeah. Making the entire U.S. car fleet electric should cause lithium shortages. Could cause. Could cause yeah. lithium shortages. Yeah. Converting the existing U.S. car fleet to electric vehicles will require more lithium than the world currently produces, showing the need to move away from private cars as a primary means of travel. I assume that last part was the Scientific American yes. part. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the quiet part out loud, okay. right? <laughs> okay, sorry. I want to make sure. Yeah. Yes, yes. The tra- This is from the article itself. Simply converting the US existing U.S. car fleet to battery-powered electric vehicles, for example, would require three times more lithium by 2050 than the world currently produces. Right. And let's, let's just be real clear about this. The United States' current car fleet is about 300 million. Planet-wide, you have about a billion and a half cars. So multiply all that problem by five. So we require to do worldwide about 15 billion. That assumes you don't have any more cars for the other six, seven billion on the That's pe- right. people on the planet who might want a car. Yeah, it, it it is become increasingly clear. And UC Davis did a study on this. It has become increasingly clear that the purpose of this exercise is not, in fact, to give everyone an electric vehicle. It is to get people out of automobiles It, it, it is altogether. amazing to me that like the people are advocating for creating a product that they know they can't produce enough for the demand or the expected or anticipated. Ooh, I don't okay, two things. First of all, let me let me pull a couple of more yeah, quotes sure. out of here real quick before we talk about. Okay, so the the um the spike in lithium demand could cause other problems too, such as greater environmental damage, sure, and worsening international tension over supplies of the metal, which is primarily mined outside the U.S. And by the way, I'm going to put in a plug for the Institute for Energy Research, our mm-hmm. sister affiliate. We are going to re- do a very comprehensive report here very soon, uh, working title "Mine Baby Mine," that talks about all of this and how much lithium, how much rare earths would be needed to achieve all this net net fantasy, but also point out every instance where this administration has actually slowed down sure. the, the permitting or, or reversed in some cases the approvals sure. for some of these, these mines to be, to, to move as, as secretary Pete would love to say, as move that supply chain here so that EVs are truly made in America. So, and then here's the convenient, here's the little, the, the convenience part here. You think such projects can be precarious to approve and permit. Mind you mean. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, so the energy department is offering all kinds of money to build mines in terms of loan guarantees. Yeah. Okay. But the Department of Interior is listing wildflowers. The Fish and Wildlife Service just listed a yellow-tinged wildflower known as Teams buckwheat as endangered, which happens to cover the entire area 
of the mine that D the DOE wants to give a company $700 million to build. Sure. I mean, look, um, just in the last two weeks, just in the last two weeks, sport fans, and, and I'm I'm a little concerned that none of the um, advocates for net zero energy transition have said anything about either one of these things. Just in the last two weeks, the um, United States government has put a bullet in the pebble mine in Alaska, right? And it has declared that essentially Boundary Waters, which would have been the site of a one of the world's largest copper and taconite mines, um, uh, off limits for 20 years, place it off limits for 20 years. So, and nobody said anything. Nobody on the left said anything at all about it. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess we could do it internationally, but it's going to be hard to bring supply chains, blah, 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 and all that hoorah. And you know what else? Eventually, Joe Manchin's language is going to get fixed. Domestic content is going to become a real thing. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the day when we actually have an honest conversation about all this stuff. I hope, Without, I hope it's in our lifetime, but I'm not convinced. Yeah, it may not be in our lifetime, but it'll be in somebody's lifetime. All right, I'm spent. That's everything I've got. Me so. too. I crossed everything off. Oh, good. I got to it all? I did. All right. Well, uh, then I guess we'll wrap it up. Why not? You have a close? I do have a close. I'm so excited. Are you ready? Sure, man. That's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We need the episode 119 is in the books. We need the overdub in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> Now, if the balloon was red, I think this would have been a much different story. <laughs> it was a flag of the People's Republic on it. <laughs>